0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh.
1: oh my goodness! Stunning with the hot oh. pants! Devontae Oh my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! Oh, oh. A 30 foot the i have just it
2: already! All right, everyone, what's up? And welcome to a live lottery reaction Buzzbeat edition. I'm Richie Randall, joined by Brian and Spencer as well, my co host. And then we have Lee, who is with us tonight from the beach you can't see it in the audio version but he's got bunk beds behind him we said that if he jump, with the hornets do jump up in the draft he will have to do the rest of it from that top bunk over there so lee yeah. lee how's it going
3: oh man it's great to be with you guys from an undisclosed location on the on the carolina coast wow. and uh yeah i mean if things get a little wild out here i might just jump up there And you know it's hard <laughs> to say
4: and then spencer just got back from the beach how was that yeah it was awesome Um, yeah my sister has two little kids I have a little kid now so it's a little bit like herding cats at times Um, but and Lee's shaking his head like he knows what I'm talking about so maybe you've got some siblings with kids but it's a lot of fun went to Bald Head Island which is like one of my favorite places on planet earth now so a lot of fun and much needed are you a, are you a body surfer, Spencer? Are you a boogie board guy? Like, do you get after it in the waves a little bit? I wouldn't say I get after it. I, I go out there and just kind of like let happen whatever is going to happen. <laughs> I actually went out on the paddleboard pretty far last week and got out there. Like, I'm I'm a little too tall and I don't have a good center of gravity. I don't have enough core strength to like get up, you know, stand up on a paddleboard in the ocean and keep it rolling. So I. I got out there pretty far and immediately was like, what, what am I doing right now? This is a, it was a terrible decision. So, But no, it was, it was a good time.
2: And Beachy, how about you? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm, I'm bummed because I'm the only guy in this group that isn't currently at the beach or has not recently been to the beach. <laughs> and uh, I also didn't get the hat memo yes, either, yes. too. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling rather secluded. I'm feeling out of the loop here. Uh, but no, I'm doing well. Exciting night uh, with the draft lottery here.
2: Yeah, let's see if the Hornets can get lucky two seasons in a (laughs) row. Uh, They do have the 11th highest odds of getting the top overall pick. I'm sure most of our listeners know how this worked, but basically there are ping pong balls that are associated with a combination of numbers. They only select the top four, and the rest of the teams are placed in an order of reverse record. So, the Hornets only have an opportunity to jump up to the top four. It's not like they can jump up to the top five, six, seven. It's really just the top four. And then if any of the teams behind them, San Antonio, Pacers, or Golden State, were to jump the Hornets, the Hornets would move back. So we're, we're hoping that the Hornets are not moving back, at least staying at 11 at the, at the, you know, at the least. Lee, you feeling lucky at all um, tonight? Or do you think that the Hornets are going to be selecting at number 11 here?
3: I mean, I'm an internal optimist, uh, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, it it feels like we were granted a gift last year year. and not only moving up, but then also landing LaMelo and then LaMelo also, also being incredible. Um, So, you know, like, like the, you know, the, the, the Hornets fan in me is not letting myself uh, believe that, that there's any type of magic happening tonight. And, uh, I will be pleasantly shocked if there is because, I mean, and I'm sure we'll talk about the guys that would be available if we did, but, like, it would be a, a, another franchise-altering, uh, you know, ping pong ball.
1: Yeah, I do think – and I feel like other people are feeling this too. It's like there's just less pressure with it this year. Totally. You know, it's like because you have LaMelo, and, and and I do think, you know, just the way Miles played to close, to close the season – Um, some of the other young guys on the roster, but especially LaMelo. You just feel it changes the arc of the franchise, and so you're less desperate to feel the need to, like, jump all the way up uh, because it really does seem like you have a guy to to build around now, which is something they had been searching for for a long time, even during, like, you know, the Kemba Walker years. They were still looking for that young cornerstone, and it seems like they, they have it now, and just, you know, everything else you're getting is just the ammunition to build around it, which is like less of a concern uh, at least at this stage of the rebuild
4: it's funny because you know the hornets lived in this 10 to 14 range right like the middle of the lottery to late lottery range for so long and then last year happened and you get Lamelo, and he's he's so far above expectations immediately wins rookie of the year and now it's like okay now we're back exactly where we were (laughs) which nobody expected right like we didn't expect to have these kind of odds we thought we would be higher so um you know getting up to three getting Lamelo, winning rookie of the year you know maybe the maybe the lottery gods are still on our side here I, I i wouldn't even consider myself lee to be an internal optimist but i think maybe in in this conversation i might be a little bit more optimistic about the odds than you are tonight i, I just well, well, think the Horton's got a lot of things going for them yeah
3: well, what was it like cleveland like got the yeah, the yeah, um, you know the number yeah. one pick in a row like the ridiculous amount. So I mean, it could you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger yeah. things have happened.
1: Yeah, and, and if the NBA is trying to market around Lamelo Ball a little bit more, now well, we're maybe talking. maybe we can Let's, get a little friendly with how these, uh, I, these ping pong will, balls come. Out.
4: I wasn't gonna bring it up, but there's always the possibility the NBA is cooking this all up behind the scenes.
1: Ooh, this yeah. envelope's cold. It's a little, <laughs> envelope's a little chilly over here. uh
2: you like, five balls, in balls in here.
3: and yeah. we're going like conspiracy theory on, yeah. on the ping pong walls I yeah. love it. Yeah. I wish they would have yeah. used
2: Devonte Graham again. I mean, he was our good luck charm last season, so yeah. why, why why switch it's it up? True. I know Miles has been great this season and he's kind of been the face of the franchise recently with him presenting the award to LaMelo, he's been everywhere. In the media, but yeah, you got you got to stick with Devonte with, with his good luck from last season. I, I
1: wonder if it is like I mean Miles is obviously taking on more of sort of like a leadership stake with the team, mm-hmm. uh, just sort of based off some of the other stuff we've seen kicked out on social media or whatever. But I do think too probably Devontae being a restricted free agent probably plays a role into that too. You know, it's yeah. like he's Fair. not he's currently not under contract for next season, so like That's true. I, that probably is a factor as well. All right, guys. So
2: guess. the prospects at eleven. Let's let's talk about a couple of them because this this lottery thing is going to stretch until all the way till nine p.m. So <laughs> obviously, if you guys are in the chat, have comments, have questions, please put them in. We'll get to them. We'll keep tabs on them, uh, and that when there's time, we can bring them up. So when we're looking at eleven, we're looking at a, a handful of players that could be there: Davion Mitchell, Sangoon, Wagner, Kispert. Maybe Moody will drop. Book Knight. Williams, Zaire Williams could be there. We talked about him on a couple pods ago. Let me ask you this question, Lee. Is there any player that either I mentioned or either player that's kind of mocked in that range that you feel is like a stay away? Just, just a player that just doesn't jump off to you that a lot of people are mocking around like the seven to 11 spot that just doesn't really hit for you.
3: Yeah, that that's a really good question. I mean, one, one for me, it's not necessarily that I'm, incredibly low on this guy although I am lower than than the consensus on but it's also just I don't think a fantastic fit for the Hornets and that would be Keon Johnson from Tennessee okay you know ultra uber athletic two-way wing but does not shoot the ball well does not handle the ball well and is not a particularly great passer so essentially Keon you're kind of taking for defensive upside um, athleticism and finishing and like what he may eventually project to be as a, as a competent offensive wing, which he's not yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, like I just don't think he helps this Hornets roster construction a whole, whole lot. And, and I also don't think he'd be like fantastic value at like 11 or 12. I, I see him as more like, late teens is, is better value, at least in my opinion on Keon Johnson. So he'd be one that might be around, but just I wouldn't be super pumped if we, if we took.
2: Brian or Spencer, do you have any guys in that range that you're just like, Hey, I, I just don't want any part of them.
1: I I'm with, uh, I, I tend to, I agree with Lee a little bit on the con, the concerns with Keon offensively in terms of like his creation. Um, I do think his point of attack defense would be helpful with this roster and is something you could put next to LaMelo. But again, the, the limitations offensively are a little bit of a concern. Um, Another guy that I, that I, that I covered in the area here this year, I just, from a fit perspective, I know we're going best player available and this guy has great flashes, but maybe Jalen Johnson from Duke um, is a guy who, again, super duper talented Um, There are some questions with his jump shot, which I think could come along, but questions with the jump shot. His first step and burst in the half court wasn't great this year. When Duke would ask him to guard ball screens and something that wasn't switch, he sort of struggled then too. if he had to drop or play the level of the screen. Not like he'll be asked to do that a lot in the NBA. I think you'll see him switch mostly uh predominantly but um johnson is one of those guys then there's some 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 injury concerns with him during his time at duke and going back to his time playing preps as well too so johnson is one of those those two guys but his talent and his frame and his size are so legit that like um i i I mean I, i could get around on it but also you've got guys like pj and miles that are not identical to him, but are sort of going to be occupying that same sort of like those same sort of spots in the rotation. So Johnson will probably be my guy for there.
4: I, I mean, I really like Sangoon. I, I think he's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know he's, well, I think that the the knock you hear is that he's kind of a prehistoric center back to the basket guy. It's not It's not the guy I see on film. I think he's actually really good facing up. He's a good passer. He can put it on the floor and attack fr- uh, from the elbow area. Is the, Is he the greatest fit? with a mellow ball with a team that wants to play in transition. I think that, you know, the jury is certainly out on that. But to me, like what this just guy just did in the Turkish league at 18 years old, winning the MVP, like the track record's basically like those kind of guys don't fail in the NBA. So at 11, is he the perfect fit for this roster? He might not be. If he's there at 11, though, I think he's probably, you're, you're going to struggle to find better players with higher upside uh, remaining on the board. So that would probably be my pick. You know, I like I like Moses Moody a good bit. Certainly some offensive uh, liabilities there, some offensive concerns. But I think he's a really good shooter. You you know, he's long, uh, not the quickest feet in the world, but he's probably got like the most sure three and D potential Mm -hmm. uh, to be a long-term fit in the league. I think more than anybody. And he's, I mean, everybody's looking for that kind of guy, right? Every team needs another wing that can shoot threes and guard, but I think the Hornets specifically badly need that player. So I think he'd be a really good fit. So it's like Sangoon, I think would be the best player available there for Charlotte. I think Moody's probably the best fit to me.
1: It, it kind of depends on who may fall too. Like if Scotty Barnes actually True. falls to yeah. eleven, you know, then we're maybe having a different conversation. Just Rush Moody
4: for
3: the table to take them, if
1: yeah, him. If, if Moody falls to eleven. By the way, he just measured with what a seven foot wingspan at the combine today. So like, uh, I think the the hopes of Moses Moody falling outside the top ten are uh, probably have probably fallen if they weren't already sort of like non-existent to begin with. But if you believe in Moody's shot? I think his answer ancillary, ancillary skills offensively are not too bad. The shot will open that up and defensively didn't have great stocks numbers but like like spencer said too, his individual defense is pretty good lee and i did a podcast where we actually talked about moses moody i don't know maybe a month or so ago um but yeah the, like he would be he would be a great pick i think even if charlotte sticks at 11 there really are a lot of like good guys especially at that wing or off guard position that are going to be worth uh kicking the can on or 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 if, even if you're into sort of like the you know, the Isaiah Jackson variety uh, of, of like mobile center, even if 11 seems maybe a, a little high, but um, I think Charlotte's well positioned here because you're developing, you're building the roster. So you just need, you just need more young talent in the pipeline. And there's some obvious areas to like sort of address on the roster in terms of, you know, a defensive center uh, or rim runner, a mobile center and finding someone on the wing that can guard the basketball and provide some shooting too.
2: I meant to mention this at the top of the podcast here, but for those of you guys in the comments uh, that are watching live right now, we will have a trivia question, which I'm going to present to you guys here in a second. And the first person to answer it in the comments will get a prize, which is a free Synergy profile of any college prospect, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be a prospect upcoming for this year, Brian. I guess it could be anyone. it could be a one that's not in the draft if you would like, but
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you want Mark Williams from Duke or you want balsa Copravvixa or if you want you're making up names. making up names Big balsa guy right here balsa's awesome, man he's really, really, really good. Um, but yeah, no, if you want any, any 2022, if you want, uh, any of those guys, uh, I've got you covered or Hey, if you just want an average college player too.
2: well, here, here's the trivia question for those of you guys watching. And if you're listening to this on the audio version, it's just too late. So you can't comment on Twitter or anything like (laughs) that. So here it is. Charlotte is tied for the lar- largest positive change in lottery history, the largest jump. They're tied in history. They jumped up 10 spots. I'm not going to tell you the year that they jumped up because that's going to make this question easier. But in this year that they jumped up 10 spots, what player did they draft in that year's draft? So I'll keep this up on the screen. Uh, Brian, you did mention the the combine and all the measurements uh, that came out today. And anyone can answer this, but how much stock do you guys put into that in terms of how much it changes your opinion on a guy? Because you've seen all the tape on this guy and, oh, we, we have an answer. We, we have an answer in the chat. So uh, there it is. Baron Davis. Uh, yep. Yes, that is the correct nice. answer. So yeah, there if there's a way vibe American that's watching right now, if you can somehow Congrats. get the email to us, we can, we can um, email you that. But anyway, my thing is, like, you watch these guys play at the college level and you, maybe you have some concerns with their physicals and, and their, the length or whatever, but they're out there producing and, and you're evaluating them without these numbers. Now the numbers come out, like Davian Mitchell, for example. He comes out with the six, you know, six feet in his height. We already knew he was small, yeah. but does that dramatically affect whether it's Davian Mitchell or, or really anyone? Uh, I, you know, does anyone I, have a strong opinion about that?
1: I think it can change. Like, I remember Donovan Mitchell's wingspan coming out in 2017 and that being a big deal. Uh, and I would imagine a guy like JT Thor out of Auburn is going to be uh, jumping just because his measurables were so good at the at the combine today, too. So I do think it matters a little bit or a yeah. lot, I would say.
3: I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it ever, like, drastically changes my opinions on players, but it's very, like, I feel like specific. Oh, we got the lottery uh, going on right now. Yeah, yeah. All How's right. it going?
2: All right, yeah, the here we go. Okay, ah, they're, they're 11. They're 11. Yes, so the yes. first four were chalk.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Horn, so Hornets at 11 here. So no, nothing. Yeah. Nothing out of this ordinary. This yeah, that's all right. That's all right. 11's fine. There are going to be a, a lot of good prospects in that range. Um, I don't think Evan Mobley will be available at 11. He was, the, he was the dream fit on the
4: team this year, but. Friend of the podcast, Miles Bridges, just up there cheesing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, like, definitely didn't want to be smiling, but he he was doing his best. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Swin
1: Swin Cash not looking stoked at the Pelicans getting ten there either. That was really
4: funny. (laughs) All right, so so what are what are some of the what's some of the drama here? I'm behind you guys, so I'm not going to be able to (laughs) have to react to y'all. Okay, so Orlando's (laughs) a. Oh man.
1: Oh, Mark Tatum's really taking yeah. his time now. He rifled through those first five. And I was going to say. All right, so there we go. So the the Timberwolves pick is conveyed to uh, to Golden State. State.
4: Okay, so they're going to draft seven and fourteen. Wow, oh, that's boy. really. A, a, I mean, I yeah. guess they're glad they get the pick, but it, this is a top six draft, top five draft. That's,
1: yeah, they're going to try. I mean, yeah, because cause I would imagine they would. That. Yeah, they'll try to package those two things with Wiggins, maybe. But like, yeah. Those aren't like the shiniest of assets to, to move unfortunately mm-hmm. okay C6 and now they've I'm got like 18 draft picks from <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then even more in the the coming years too' um, it's gonna be they're gonna be a fascinating case study to, to watch in terms of uh, and then Orlando. At five. Oh, that's brutal for Orlando, man. That's oh my
4: Oh my God. <laughs> they they oh. they had oh. the They were tied for the highest odds, yes. right? Yeah. Oh, man. And, and that's rough oh, too, because Oh my god. Toronto. Toronto. Jumping. Toronto's up. four? No, well, you Toronto just, just jumped In the top up. Four into
1: four. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so they jumped up from Toronto had only uh, yeah, I mean Toronto was likely gonna land at like seven, eight, or nine, and yeah, they've jumped into the uh the top four here. I wow. Think, That's I think Van Fleet Toronto must have Toronto, had
4: Toronto, Toronto, Detroit, Houston, and who else? Okay. Who am I missing?
1: Uh, OK see? Cleveland? OK. Cleveland, right?
2: I think Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. God, this is so wow. confusing. So confusing. <laughs> Well, luckily, we know where the Hornets are drafting at number 11. That's
1: brutal for – I mean, Orlando went into tonight thinking they might be getting one and, um, like, number five, you know? Yeah. Like, they're going to end up with five and eight, and they're going to end up drafting Jonathan Kaminga and, uh, like, Davion Mitchell or something. (laughs) Not Cade Cunningham, unfortunately.
4: yeah.
1: And I uh, think – And this is a team that's looking for a head coach, too. So it's like – you might be all of a sudden the the amount of coaching prospects that might shift on you a little bit too for Orlando by not getting, you know, a top, a top three pick in this draft or whatever.
4: Boy, if Toronto, if Toronto were to win the lottery somehow, um, I mean, just talk about a franchise that has been able to press restart as quickly as maybe any franchise in NBA history over and over and over again. mean if they were to win this lottery, I mean, they've got a roster, yeah. It's ready to win. I don't even know. Yeah. They'd have to still go Cunningham, I, I, I guess. I was thinking I about think Mobley for them. Me. They might go Mobley. I don't no, know. I, I mean, they, I,
1: I think you have to go like, I just think you have to go uh, Cade one. I just think he's in a. Mobley is awesome. And I, he's probably my favorite prospect in this draft. But I just. Yeah, think he'd be a
4: great he, fit there. Yeah. I think
1: Cade is just a different level. You want to build around Cade. But Spencer, you're totally right. I mean, it would be no matter what, Toronto's going to get a good player because I love the top four yeah. in this draft. I mean, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs would be wonderful picks as well uh, that are in that sort of like next tier uh, behind Cade and then behind Mobley. But yeah, you would get Cade and then and then build around that uh, if you're number one. That's,
3: that's why I think this is so brutal for Orlando. I know a lot of people think this is a top-five draft. I think it's a top-four draft. Yeah, like I uh, think there's a drop-off after whoever it is, yeah. Green or Subs.
1: I'm not and all the way out on Kaminga, but I have some huge concerns. I've got some really big yeah. concerns. Um, he's,
4: the, he's the one that, yeah, it's, it's really started to swing with him a little bit. I, I just think that like with Kaminga, those guys you just mentioned, there's that top-four, Mobley, Cade, Uh, Green and Suggs and then it's Kaminga clearly has the lowest floor of that five right so it's really just what is your risk uh, you know what's your risk um, how much how willing are you to take on a a certain amount of risk and but I still think Kaminga has a, a chance to be as good as any of those guys too so it's just what's your risk variance
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's, he's, he's long and athletic and he can't shoot. He's like perfect for Orlando. Um, (laughs) he really is. Yeah. I mean like this is a guy that doesn't have any, has no touch and and can't really shoot right now. I mean, maybe you come around on those things, but, um, that doesn't always happen with with those types of like skill traits. Um, yeah, that's just, that is brutal for, Orlando, man, I just could have gone so much better for them. And, it, and, and it I mean, look,
3: Toronto right. and Orlando are both teams that we're going to be right in the thick with probably. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's meaningful and interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, man, it's gonna be fascinating to see what Toronto, like if Toronto ends up with, with one or two here, because like, you know, they still got guys in play. You have Van Vliet. He's literally the representative at the lottery tonight. <laughs> you've got, uh, you've got Siakam, like you get if you get Cade like the hell, man and an
4: Obi Cade like like you're you're all just switchable wings. I mean you're, that's, that's you're probably... a you're a playoff
1: yeah you're you're a. Had a, yeah. had a good year. Flynn had a good year. Like yeah, Flynn's or? a great player. Like, they would have an awesome roster uh, of pieces. I mean that that quickly becomes like a dangerous team in the Eastern yeah. Conference.
4: Yeah, Gary um, Trent, who was really good for them at the end of yeah, the year. I mean, right, but, yeah, yeah but he's a
1: he's a free. He can be a restricted free agent, but uh, you're right. That's right. But but they could totally,
4: prioritize they, him. I think. Yeah, they
1: could. They could definitely bring him back. Big time shooter yeah. and like a you know decent defender too. Um, I kind of hope if if I'm pulling for anybody, not like I'm a big Tillman Fertitta fan, but uh, <laughs> my uh, friend, I think this guy was a one time guest on the pod and is a guy that uh. I've been able to, like, talk hoops with for a few years now online, but uh, Cole's Wicker uh, oh, yeah. works in the scouting department for the Rockets. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Houston, you know, get one or two in, in this draft and, and um, you know, give give some new guys for, uh, for Cole to work with down there. That'd be pretty cool, too.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Do you guys want to talk some some draft prospects at 11? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. It. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to start off with uh, James Booknight out of Yukon, sophomore, 20 years old, bouncy athlete, explosive, can change speeds on the offensive end. A little bit undersized, uh, but that that's something that's probably going to have to, you know, he's going to have to overcome. He's gonna have to going to get in the, the, the weight room, get you know, get a little bulkier. Um, he he's a good guy off the dribble. Like he is he's a guy that has great handles. He can step back. Has the hesitation, hang, dribble moves very solid in that department. He also fights through fights through contact despite his size. He draws a lot of fouls. He drew five point seven fouls per forty minutes, which was actually the eighty third uh, in you know nationally. More of a self creator versus a creator for others, and I think that's one thing that is going to be something that he needs to work on because. He is a little bit undersized, so he's probably going to be a combo guard in the sense that he's probably going to be required to handle the ball a little bit more and run some pick and rolls, and you just didn't really see that out of him in UConn in terms of being able to process that. A lot of his issues offensively and defensively come on the mental aspect, right? Like, he, he has some hesitations off ball when it comes to ball watching. He's not rotating quick enough. He gets caught back door, but... I think he's locked in a little bit more when he's on the ball. So this guy, to me, he's he's an upside guy. Like, he has the handles. He has the skill. He's a very, very good rim finisher. I think that's one of his biggest assets in terms of his offensive style. But in terms of defense, that's where I think a lot of the concerns lie. I know we don't ever talk about, you know, maybe drafting for fit. But there are some needs that the Hornets are trying to target. And I think you've got to draft a guy that has some kind of defensive potential. And I'm not saying James Booknight doesn't have defensive potential, but like that's where he's got a lot of room to grow on the defensive side of the court. Brian, we were talking about him earlier today on Twitter. Thoughts on thoughts on Booknight?
1: Yeah. So uh, first off, a couple other notes on Booknight. Uh, Booknight, he's 20 now. He'll be 21 at the start of next season. At the combine today, he measured at six three and a half. With uh, a nearly six nine wingspan, which which I think is pretty encouraging, like plus five basically uh, in terms of wingspan, which is really good. Um, Richie, you brought up the handle, like it's pretty, um, like pretty functional, I think for the most part in terms of like he's got the little in and out, the hesitation, the step back, the behind the back step back. He does struggle some in advantage creation in those one-on-one situations with his handle, like can get stood up a little bit, and that's where some of the turnovers come in. Um, Athletically, pretty darn special like good functional strength, laterally very quick, big time uh, explosive leaper. When he's got a bit of a runway, like when he turns the corner in the half court and he can get all the way to the rim, uh, man, it's like he gets you know shot off a trampoline, like an exercise trampoline at the rim. Like he really can get up. Um, 41 dunks in 43 career games. UConn. Ran basically like once per game, if not more, this little like one four low veer back screen for just to throw a lob to book night. And he threw down plenty of those this season, too. He can really, really get up. Uh, You mentioned the flashes of finishing at the rim. You know, he'll look to finish through contact. He can really hang in the air and contort in those situations. Like he has one of the nicest sort of like up and under uh, of layup finishes. And he can really, you know, use touch and use some craft and spin finishing uh, those things at the uh, the rim. If you're talking about book night though, and, and I think this gets to the point of like how he could like fit on Charlotte's roster. Like I think there's some thought that, Oh, book night is like sort of like a microwave score, right? Like you throw him in there and and give him a bunch of pick and roll and stuff like that. But he's more of like an off ball mover and scorer, right? Like a guy that you're going to have sets in place so that he can come off down screens, come off flares, and look for it. Look for his jump shot. Um, really good footwork to set these actions up. He, he he rolls so hard in these situ like runs so hard in these situations comes flying off those screens. And uh, and some of those catch-and-shoot looks, like he's able to catch, get his feet set, and then just explode for a jump shot. Um, sometimes I think when he's when he's first forced to curl those looks, you know, wants to put the ball in the hoop and then has a tendency maybe to pick up the dribble a little bit and get himself to some trouble there. But when he's like in attack mode or just catch-and-shoot mode, Um, The offense is pretty darn encouraging and like just the way he moves his movements, his patterns off the basketball are are pretty encouraging. Even if like the three point shooting numbers were not, uh, not great this season. The, one of the questions I do think for book night, two questions to ask will be, will he shoot it on the next level? I think you can buy the jump shot, but how does he help you create advantage in the half court? when he isn't scoring, right? Like that's something else to think about with James Booknight because the playmaking for others, the passing, you know, it's just very stationary, right? Like very one a, a to b, a to b um as opposed to making a lot of sort of like advanced reads out of DHO or or pick and roll. But I like Booknight a lot as as a prospect and um, you know, I don't think he would be my first choice at 11, but he's a, he would be a nice piece to add to this roster, and his offensive upside is, uh, is pretty real in my opinion.
2: Do you guys see any Malik Monk in him at all? I see more like, and
4: forgive the UConn comparison here or similarity, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Lamb. They're not exactly the same. By any stretch, Lamb's a little longer. They're not the same athlete, but I think they – they have offensive limitations in the same kind of ways and they have strengths in the same kind of ways. I, I think Knight, I mean, I think he's better than his, you know, sub 30% behind the arc shooting in college. You know, he had a 31, I think, above 31% usage rate at UConn. I mean, they used him <laughs> when he was healthy. He missed some games last year in just about every single offensive action they possibly could have. But they ran really good stuff for him, to Brian's point. I, I really like Booknight. I, I think he's got, like – I think he does have the ability to be kind of an on the ball conductor of offense off the bench later in his career. Um, yes, UConn did run a lot of stuff with him off the ball, and it's nice to see he can do that catch and shoot. He's a good he's good coming off screens, but I do think he's got the capability and showed some of it at UConn to to be on the ball and, and play out a pick and roll. I mean, maybe not make the most advanced reads to set up his teammates ever but this guy can get his own shot in a lot of different ways i mean i think that's where he projects he projects as a six man uh, a really good one volume score off the bench i just don't like book day i don't like him enough to say he's he's right for charlotte at 11 because mostly because number one i don't like him enough and number two he's not the right fit for the roster i mean this is the kind of prospect where you're like he has to be the best left on the board to draft him because i really don't think this is what charlotte needs
2: right now yeah, what about you, Lee?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think y'all done a pretty darn good job of breaking them down. Probably just a couple things I would add. Like, I'm, I'm not super optimistic on the shooting. The counterpoint that I would make to myself would be there's a little bit of, like, a Cole Anthony syndrome here where Booknight was put in situations late in clocks where he had to create for UConn on a consistent basis. So he wasn't necessarily put in the best situation to be an efficient scorer. I mean, like RJ Coles, a fine college guard, but there really wasn't much creation besides book night on this UConn uh, roster. You know, he had a negative assist to turnover ratio. So he's like, like to Brian's point, he's more of a self creator than he is a creator for anyone else. So, I, I, you know, like a lot of players in this draft, I think Spencer was saying this maybe before we started, but, like, there's just a lot of players in this draft where shooting is going to be their swing skill. And if they can become, like, a league-average floor spacer, there's probably a pretty good role for them in the league. If they can't, I think a lot of these guys, including Booknight, are going to struggle to to really contribute and be, like, a meaningful rotation player. On the positive side, he's one of the most impressive like functional basketball athletes that I've seen. I mean, he like he goes through the lane like a knife through butter uh, the way he somebody mentioned earlier, like the way he contorts his body and his balance and his hanging. It's pretty decent, like little cutter even. Yeah. Um That stuff is all really positive. Um, So I guess just to kind of wrap up, I'm not sold on him as a, as a target for the Hornets either. He again is more of a, mid first round prospect for me, just outside of the lottery. Um, but there are also some people who I really sh- respect their opinions that have Book Knight as like a top twelve tap talent in this draft. So I- I'm just slightly lower on him than than some of the other prospects that we could target. Well, at least
4: these- to your yeah to your point Lee, he knows how to play the game. Like he passes the eye test when you if you watch yes. UConn the season, you watch his film, like it doesn't take real long. He doesn't have every intangible in the book. He doesn't check every single physical profile box, but he knows how to play offensive basketball.
1: The, um, I, I put a, a, put a guys that are his age that are 20 that know how to move and set up defenders mm-hmm. and encounter various like coverages. They're getting off the basketball. I do put a fair amount of weight in that. Like, I think that's pretty impressive. I feel like a lot of guys don't get that until they get to the NBA. Um, and I'm always sort of like, like very, I'm just impressed when when guys sort of at the college level, um, in a, in a system that isn't necessarily maybe designed for them, um, you know, can take on a featured role and and really step up and, 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 handle those sort of like off ball movement patterns, not just running, you know, not having the offense turn into spread, pick and roll or a spot up shit show or whatever can like really cut and move. And, and he does a nice job. Like he can read defenders, uh, Lee, you were mentioning his off ball cutting, like I really like when he uses sort of like the pin down gravity, DHO gravity and he plants and cuts back door yes. just because like he's so, cause once he does that, yes, he's a very explosive finisher at the rim, but that's also when he gets some of his like really, really nasty like up and under finishes at the rim. Like he just, he turns, he gets very slippery in those situations. Yes. Um, so, to describe it. so, so I really like his offensive talent, but I'm with all of you guys. Um, I, I 11 is like, a, I just think there are going to be better players available and I do think Charlotte needs to beef up its perimeter defense. And Knight while he has good activity uh, in terms of like half-court defense, I think he does a pretty nice job chasing guys around screens too. Just like they need point of attack defense. They need more length on the wing. And like even Book Knight with an almost 6'9 wingspan, like he's just not checking those boxes for you.
2: He's also limited in who he can guard. I feel like he can only guard ones and twos to me, to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Spencer, did you have something to say be- about book night before we move on to someone else?
4: Yeah, no, I was just, when Brian said, you know, he gets real slippery in the, in those situations, uh, scenarios he was describing, that's what really reminds me of lamb. His, his fluidity his slippery. You know, that just the athletic movement is what it reminds me of the, each other. So, that's why I kind of like that comparison. But, no, let's move on to another one.
2: Yeah, and the reason I mentioned Monk was because of his handles, his rim finishing, his way that he moves off of ball. Obviously, the, the pick-and-roll reads is not something that equates to Monk because Monk does a good job out of those pick-and-rolls, but that's probably something that he developed over the years here in Charlotte. Now, Brian, you mentioned something defensively, and I want to bring up Davion Mitchell. He that That's his top skill defense right like he's very active slides his feet he uses his chest he he picks up a lot of charges he actually dictates the movement of the player right like he's going to cut him off change directions um stops penetrations like th- that that's his biggest skill to me on the next level and o- offensively he's still shifty he can create for himself he can create for others he has in and out step backs crossovers he like Book Knight is also a great rim finisher, although he's not this like bouncy athlete that Book Knight is. You know, he's he's definitely a below the rim finisher. His size, it just came out uh, in the combine that he he's measured at six feet, I believe, or six feet and a quarter, something like that. And his wingspan is like six three, maybe. So again, Brian said that he puts some stock into that. I don't know if I put as much stock into the combine numbers just because he is what he is at this point, and, and the numbers don't change how I evaluate him. I'm going to go to you first, Lee, in terms of Davion Mitchell. How concerned are you about his age, Uh, 22 years old, coming out of Baylor? And then also, are there things that concern you about maybe his shot translating? Because it feels like it just kind of came online this past season.
3: Yeah, Um. well, you said it. I mean, on the ball, he's a complete brick house. Like, the the guy is is – Maybe, I mean, maybe the most impressive on the ball defender in this draft class. I really like Jaden Springer as an upside on the ball defender as well. I would say
1: Springer won, but Mitchell, Mitchell,
0: right Right in the
3: conversation, yeah. Right there with him. Um, The shot, I'm less concerned about the shot. I mean, you're right to point it out, Richie, that this year is really his only – you know incredibly impressive shooting year so I think it's fair to wonder if that's real or not like I don't think he walks into the NBA as a 40 percent three-point shooter Um, but I do think he can be like a tick above league average like I don't think 36 37 38 percent from three for him is is like wish casting by any means I think that's possible I think my biggest concern with Davion Mitchell, besides his his size, which is obviously limiting and a lot of different factors on both sides, um, the age doesn't bother me too, too much. It's really the fact that, like, this guy's a pretty, d- like, determined, dogged player and has some big-time burst when he decides he wants to cross over or change directions and get to the basket. But he didn't draw a ton of fouls at Baylor, at, like, at all. And he was... Um, without having the numbers right in front of me, like he was, I believe like an average rim finisher. So I just, you know, that seems to me like that would need to be a really big part of his offensive game at the next level to be a starter level player. And you're looking for, it's hard to find, don't get me wrong, but you're looking for a starter level player when you're in the lottery. Um, and 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 I I just I have my concerns, so I feel like I sound like a broken record with some of these prospects here. But Davion Mitchell again is a guy I have just outside of my lottery.
1: Yeah, the real quickly for context, uh, Bartorvic site has him on close twos, sixty three uh, percent, with about eighty two percent of those looks unassisted. That's that's not too bad, but. Um, Only a 21% free throw rate this season, 27% free throw rate for his career. And he is a 66% uh, free throw shooter. So that's not a positive indicator. Um, And, you know, this is a guy that is, you know, free throw percentages is one unit to measure skill. Uh, this is a guy that you know is t- going to be 23 by the start of next season, and is you know under six one. But uh, but like everyone here, you know the burst, the speed is so real. His ability to cross over, reject screens, uh, get in the lane, you know he is one of those guys that can always touch the paint in college, right? And that's some that's one of the things you're looking for when you're looking at these guards and you're considering them for a lottery pick, you know. Why was Caleb Love disappointing at UNC this season? Well, for so many reasons, but also because, like, it takes an active God to get that guy into the lane uh, off a live dribble. And Davion, that wasn't the case. Now, he was playing in a good offense with good guards and good spacing, so that that helped. But, um, you know, I do think he's a guy that can get to the rim and get downhill in the NBA, um, you know, which should, in theory, then lead to more you know finishes at the rim and foul attempts. But this is where like the shot becomes a bit of a concern because it's like can he hit enough pull up threes right to sort of force defenses to guard him a certain way so that he is going to have these opportunities to take guys off the dribble with his handle and while he is a phenomenal on ball defender. He's not like – and all these guys, like you got to – like the guys that are are trying really hard on defense, like they know they're going to get beaten, right? You can't play perfect on-ball defense. But, yeah, there were guys this season that beat Davion Mitchell, made him look bad in terms of his defense. You know what I mean? So it's like – and I, it's not like you're drafting Scottie Pippen or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but, but it, but it's a point of attack defense is certainly one of the strengths um, of his game. So I like Mitchell a lot. Um, 11 is a little too high for me, but, uh, but he is a really tantalizing prospect.
4: I, I, I like Mitchell a good bit. We'll see where the shooting, you know, the shooting just came online last year, a little bit out of nowhere. So that kind of remains to be seen, but the number one thing with Mitchell that I think this, and I'm talking about fit with this roster, this team, and we talked about it a ton last season, they need an element of toughness that does not exist right now. And I do think that Davion Mitchell could bring that. I think he could also, he he would give you the the flexibility and versatility to put LaMelo Ball in, in some places on defense that Borrego was not able to put him, uh, I think, this season. I think that would be another plus. And on the offensive end, you know, I think Davion Mitchell just has so many different ways to score the ball. He has got a lot in his offensive bag. We've seen the step backs. We've seen the ridiculous burst off the bounce to get into the paint. He could definitely make plays for his teammates. I mean, I think he's got a great feel in the offensive end. I think he's a very impressive player on that side of the ball. Again, the shooting remains to be seen if that stays where it was this season. Um, You know, the age – I'm not as concerned with that, with Davion. I, I think that as much as we saw him progress as a player last year, that probably suggests that's probably a good thing. There, there's probably more to tap into uh, with him, but I think I think he's a really good fit on this roster. Um, I, now, the, the measurements, the six-foot without shoes, yeah. that is a concern because he's not a true point guard. I mean, that, that can't not be a concern, right? But again thinking about just fits with this team I think he would fit very well day one and if the Hornets were to make a pick like this I think that would answer uh certainly a question about what they're going to do with Devontae and if not Devontae, probably Devontae I mean if you if you draft yeah. Davion Mitchell then that tells me you're at least going to try really hard to keep Malik Monk and probably move on from Devontae because I think in a lot of ways offensively these are two very uh similar players Davion Mitchell has a better burst he can get into the paint a lot easier than Devonte, but he's an off-the-dribble bomber. Can be um, that struggles to score pretty much anywhere inside the paint, right? And so we we've watched that player with the Hornets with Devonte Graham in the past few seasons. But I, I really like this fit with this team.
3: So Spencer, you um, you think this draft selection will be able to kind of glean what their what their um plans are from from a you know retaining some of the you know obviously monk and graham do you do you think that's something we'll be able to kind of tell based on the pick to a degree
4: yes no and or either i mean you know like it really is you know it's like it's yeah. like a case to case but i but the reason i brought that up lee is because i do think if you draft davion mitchell a guy who's older a guy who you want to get on the court right now i think in that situation it does tell you something now yeah, right. There are some other, you know, there would be some other picks where I would say I don't know that that tells you anything at all, but I think Davion's one of those where I'd read into that. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, that totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too because Mitchell and Monk are probably yeah Malik Monk is uh 7 months older than Davion Mitchell <laughs> <laughs> which is which is crazy um but yeah like uh, like I'm I'm with you I'm with you on, on 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 Mitchell if you're really looking for point of attack defense though if both these guys are available um I just think Springer's 4 years younger than Davion Mitchell you know what I mean and yeah he does not have the first step burst but his functional strength his his shot looked good this year Um, I think he would be a great development fit that sort of is in this same role, Uh, not same role, but you would be using him so that you could move like Spencer said, move LaMelo around a little bit defensively, right. And get him some more favorable assignments and let that player just go out and guard, you know, the top guard, the top, the primary ball handler from the opposing team. And assuming it's not someone that's going to like, you know, if it's Davion Mitchell, assuming some not like a big wing that's going to like overwhelm, you know, overwhelm him or whatever. But um So anyways, that would that would be those are the two guys in terms of like point of attack defense because we highlighted like Mm -hmm. I think Springer could be available at 11 and I think he's a really, really good pick Spencer and I talked about him on a pod. Uh, a few weeks ago uh when we were sort of like starting to dip our toes a little bit more and talking about uh prospects here so i think uh springer would be a, would also be a great pick but it was it's hard not to love davion like what he did this season just yeah you know, yeah i mean it's just I, yeah
4: it was it yeah was it lightning in a bottle yeah. what is sustainable what's not hey i, I want to bring up a prospect that i do think will be in the conversation like w- he will be linked to the horns at some point i'd be willing to bet on that and that's uh that's court kispert um you know, I think he's he's like more in this. Like I like Springer too, BG, and also like, um, you know, I also like. Sorry, I'm having a brain fart here for a second. Um, the other Tennessee guard, a little bit more than this. Keon guys. Johnson, yeah, Keon. Keon Johnson, more than y'all do. I, do. I love his defensive upside, but I do think Kispert has been like constantly this late lottery kind of guy. It's like it almost doesn't matter what mock draft you look at. It feels like he's there, <laughs> and I yeah. think that. One thing the Hornets badly need is consistent shooting, Uh, especially a guy like Kispert, who I I think is a little bit of an underrated athlete, could be really good in transition, running to the wings, running to the corners on a team that likes to play that way. Um, I kind of saw BG shake his head when I brought his name up. I'm with you. I don't love him, but I, I do think that he could really help this team immediately
1: his shot he would definitely his his size and his shot would help right i mean you're hoping he's like cam johnson right i mean he's not probably not quite as big as, as cam johnson who can play a lot of four for the phoenix suns but um but kispert is a guy that should be nba ready right now um maybe or maybe he's more like joe harris who's a guy that he's you know he's worked out with in the off seasons uh, as, uh I think that's something that um, Kispert has mentioned or Joe Harris has mentioned too, but no, no, no. I mean like the, we were talking about James Booknight's movement shooting, right? And so like Kispert comes in and gives you a guy that you can, you can run offense through, you can run him off screens. And um, yeah, I mean, putting shooting around LaMelo is never going to be a bad option. Um, you know, it doesn't really help you out your perimeter defense, uh and there's not a ton of shot versatility shot versatility in his game right now but i do i mean the catch and shoot ability is like is real at that size right like he's not a he's not a prospect to run away from you know like i I I do like him. him
4: I just, watching him at Gonzaga, I don't think he's like a Kyle Corv. He's not like a shooter and then a zero everywhere else in the floor. Like, that's what I was saying. I think his athleticism is a little bit underrated. He would attack the basket this year. He would take guys off the bounce. He could finish in the paint. Um, I think he's got a little bit more craft to his offensive game than he gets credit for. And defensively, like, yeah, there there are clear limitations there. But I don't think it's this guy that's going to get played off the floor and leverage minutes. Like, I, he, he competes. He's 6'7. He can move his feet. I, I, you know, I don't love him as a prospect, but I, this, this idea that he's only a shooter, I think, is not, is not correct.
2: Well, the funny thing is, I have not researched this guy at all, and that's what I know him as since they're only <laughs> a shooter. I, yeah. I wonder how many Hornets fans would be upset if we drafted that guy. Like, a white. Shooter, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. You I, can stop uh, there. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a stereotypical like pick that I think that a lot of people would yeah. just hate. But yeah. I don't know much about him, Lee. Lee do you, I mean, can you divulge Shades a little? Adam bit more? Morrison, Gonzago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else do you know about? Uh, what else do you know about him, Lee?
3: Yeah, they're they I mean, you're right from a reaction standpoint. There's probably too much Frank Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky, and Adam Morrison in our past for for the Hornets fans not to boo that pick. But I'm actually. Uh, lean a little, probably a little more towards Spencer's opinion. I, I love Corey Kispert. I was super high on him last year. I was actually kind of surprised he stayed. Yeah, agreed, I would have had Corey Kispert as like probably a top 25 ish prospect. And even in last year's draft, look, you know, he's older, you know, he looks like what he looks like and he, and the defensive limitations are, are, are all very fair. He is a better athlete than he gets credit for. Like, he will rise up over somebody, you know. I mean, they, like, Gonzaga would draw up, like, sets for, like, a lob to the rim for him at times. Um, He's a little bit, I think the only point y'all miss, like, he's a little bit better of, like, a connector of offense than he gets credit for, too. Like, has a little bit of Sadiq Bey there where he just, he moves the ball. Like, it, it doesn't stop with him. He brought, like, to Brian's point, elite, elite catch-and-shoot shooter. I mean, you look at his all of his shooting numbers across the board and it's just 98 percentile 97 percentile 95th percentile so look the hornets need size they on the wing and they need and they need more shooting around our young playmakers it, it maybe doesn't fill like the gaping hole of obviously rim protector rim runner and it doesn't necessarily replace the qualities Malik Monk or Devontae Graham if one or neither of them are in Charlotte next year so that's all fair too I'm just like of the opinion that I know I pretty much know what I'm gonna get with Corey Kispert and I and I believe there's a little bit more upside than than most do I prefer him like I need asymmetric upside if I'm passing on Corey Kispert I need Kai Jones, Jaden Springer, Jones, yeah. uh, Scotty Barnes. Like I need that type of upside if I'm passing on Corey Kispert. Like, I don't want Franz Wagner if I have a chance at Corey Kispert. That's just my opinion.
1: Like, yeah, Vog- Wagner's interesting. I think Nate Babcock said this on Twitter this week that was uh was like a pretty I thought it was pretty interesting where he said, like, no one's gonna feel no one's gonna feel bad for drafting Franz Wagner, but they might feel bad for drafting Franz Wagner over someone with a little bit more upside, right? Which is like kind of an interesting way of couching it. I think uh, Kispert as like a screener because of his shooting gravity could be a pretty interesting thing for them to use uh, as like as a movement sure that could come off, could set flares, could set ball screens, and then pop or slip into space. I think there's some cool ways to integrate that into the offense, but with a guy like Wagner um i mean i think he checks a lot of boxes that charlotte is looking for too
2: um six nine i didn't know he was good on defense like i I did not know that
1: he's a phenomenal defender i mean that's his most intriguing quality i mean like i mean we talked about moody as like a three and d guy you know wagner is like a three and d guy with some playmaking upside right? right and i think it's important to remember a couple things about wagner that are that i think are critical two years at Michigan, but he won't be 20. He won't turn 20 until the end of August. So like he's young for his grade. Um, He played professionally uh, or he played uh, the club ball, like in Germany for two seasons before he came over here. And like, I know the three point percentage with, Wagner didn't settle in at a great number really because of how he shot late in the season. Like he was mid to high thirties for a good chunk of it, but he's been an excellent free throw shooter his entire career. Right. And that, that, that even accounts going back to when he played in Germany, but yeah, he was 32 and percent career three point shooter on 234 attempts but an 83.5% free throw shooter. And that tracks going back to when he played in Germany too. In the 17-18 season, 84.6% from the line. The 18-19 season, 89.2%. Then he shows up at Michigan. Also, when he played in Germany... In the 17-18 season, on five three-point attempts per game, he shot 37% from downtown. The 18-19 season, 38.5% from deep on two three-point attempts per game. I feel pretty good about his shot translating uh, because of the free throw percentage, because of how it looks, because there's a track record. Before Wagner went through his growth spurt, when he was like 15 16 years old he was like a shooter score so I think that's like a I think that's like a, a latent skill that he has in in his game but uh but yeah you, you guys brought up the defense like he is a pretty darn special and versatile defender can get in a stance and really slide hard you know plays upright plays really well with his chest reacts quickly can be very very physical quick load when he needs to get off the ground like he's not a super athlete. But, but he plays, but he, his, his reaction time is, is good and can sort of like counteract some of the, um, the lack of like maybe vertical burst or, or pop or whatever. And then I just think his like passing is pretty solid too. Like both from like the ball mover, you know, we talked about Corey Kispert being a, a connector offensively. Franz Wagner can be that too, you know, make quick decisions, make the extra pass. And like, there's not a lot of isolation creation for Franz Wagner, but he can do some stuff out of the pick and roll, even though he doesn't have a ton of wiggle with his handle. But this is a guy that can make a pocket pass to a roller. He can get into the lane. Um, I think he's got decent touch on those runners when he's trying to get off the trying to get it, you know, on the glass going to his right hand. And you see some of those like late drop off and layoff passes uh, when he's able to really get into the teeth of the defense and then drop it off. So um, yeah, I think he I think you know, I think you're thinking big wing three and D type guy that can also give you a little bit more zest to your offense, because even though he's not going to be like a monster closeout attacker and a guy that can really finish with a lot of like verve at the rim, he gives you enough ball movement and enough, like uh, enough like drive, like live dribble passing right to make him not just a stationary catch and shoot guy. So I like Wagner a lot. I think he makes a lot of sense on this roster um, and would certainly help their, uh, their perimeter defense.
4: I think Wagner is a pretty safe pick, you know, in this range that Charlotte's going to be in. I mean, again, Lee, here we, here we go saying this about another prospect, but I think shooting is his swing skill. Like if he becomes a 38 to 40% three point shooter in the league, all of these other things you guys have talked about that he does well, he really doesn't have a weakness in his games on either end. You know, he's got some things that he doesn't do so well, some things that he does pretty good, but not excellent. But he doesn't really have a weakness. So if he learns to shoot it, at six nine on the wing, guy that can switch a few positions. Like he's he's a starter in the league. I do think that the the more likely outcome is that he's a, probably a marginal rotational player, though, which is why I don't like. The reason I might lean Kispert a little more here is just I think he has an elite skill. I don't think Wagner has an elite skill. Now, what balances those two things out probably is that Wagner's a lot younger and you've got a lot more time to develop him and he brings a lot more to the table physically. Uh, He's got to get stronger. You know, 6'9''s great, 205'' not so great. Um, He can switch a few positions. He's not not guarding power forwards in the NBA at at that frame. So, you know, I, I think that the idea of him is really good because of all these things he does well and because of his length, but he doesn't have that one thing that he does excellent or even really too much above average. Right. So that's the one thing that makes me a little nervous by him, but I think he's going to be a rotational player in the league for a while. He should be.
2: All right, let's wrap with this last comment from a viewer here on YouTube. It's actually my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know, I don't have a sleeper pick because I have not researched enough, but Maybe we can start with you, Lee, whether, whether it's a, a sleeper in the first round or a sleeper in the back half of the first round, a second round prospect, give me someone that's a sleeper pick for you that people are just a little bit too low on. You think?
3: Yeah. So two guys that we haven't mentioned tonight and I won't, I won't do like the, the whole rant on them, but I'll just throw their names out there. I'm incredibly high on Isaiah Jackson, the, the, the freshman center from Kentucky. He's got offensive limitations, um, but he led Kentucky in total rebound, per- or he led the STC in total rebound percentage and total block percentage, rim runner, hyper athlete outside of area rebounder, just Does that sound like the qualities the Charlotte Hornets might could use potentially? So (laughs) that's one guy. And then Miles McBride is a guy who I've been beating the drum on for months, the sophomore point guard from West Virginia. Again, probably a guy to to the question I posed to Spencer earlier. If the Hornets were to take Miles McBride earlier than expected at 11, that might be an indication that they're moving on from one of our uh, backcourt guys as well. So those two um, I think are – awesome targets for the Hornets and probably a little underrated. The last name I'll throw out there is Sandro Mamu Kilishvili. My brother likes him. My brother likes him. Mamu. Oh, good. Good. Josh Randall likes him too. Then I'm in good company. (laughs) 6'11", swing forward that can do a little bit of everything. Just one of of my favorite players in this draft. I I think he's a first-rounder. Obviously, probably more of a late first-rounder, but – I think Sandro's a real NBA player, and uh, he he's just fun as hell to watch. So it, Mamu
1: can really pass and, and handle. Um, he he's the kind of guy that just like you. It feels like you put him in there, and he just breathes life to a second unit offense with uh, with his with his shooting and and uh, and passing. And I see Richie. I see your brother uh, Josh is a big Io D'Sunmu fan. <laughs> is he willing to donate his left hand to Io D'Sunmu? Because uh, because as much as we as much as we riffed on Killian Hayes not being able to drive to his right leading into the draft last year, uh, Io is the opposite of that. The guy can't dribble left. Uh, I don't know if you watched them lose to uh, Loyola in the NCAA tournament, but Loyola's entire scheme was like, yes, trap him to the, when he's going right, and then he can't go the other way. Uh, I don't know if I totally buy a shot. I like Io as like a late first round, like you know, offensive uh, guard. But um, but I, I do worry about his offensive creation when he's not scoring. I'm not entirely sure what else good he's bringing to your team. Um, a guy that I do want to mention real quickly for this question, though, from, from, from Richie's brother, Taryn Shannon uh, out of Texas Tech. Uh, 3 and D wing that I really, really like a lot, uh, a lot, a lot. And took a – made a big jump this season in terms of three-point volume, and that opened up. His uh, closeout attack game, his slash and kick game, really well built, good frame, good length, good power. Not like super twitchy, but has a good first step. Um, lefty dominant, but I'm I'm not too worried about that. And just like a monster help defender, versatile, active, um, really fun guy to sort of like watch play center field and just be incredibly disruptive uh, from from those positions. So Shannon is a guy that like if the Hornets had made the playoffs, you know, I probably would have really like thought of him as a guy that the Charlotte should really, really consider if they were drafting like later in the, in the first round. I think he's really good. I think he deserves more hype. I think he's a phenomenal prospect three and D guy that has a, uh, has some like catch and go game. So I would mention him as another sort of like under the radar guy that I think, I think if you're going to look at like a mock from like ESPN or whatever, they're going to be lower on Terrence Shannon than I am.
4: I got two guys real quickly. Jared Butler, number one. I I mean, certainly the news today is a real bummer. I hope that the kid is okay. Sounds like a hard issue, so I hope he gets checked out and he can actually play basketball. Absolutely love him. I I mean, he he might literally be my favorite player in this draft. He's older. I mean, he just knows how to play. He he reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon a little bit in college, just the way he plays the game. He's a good shooter. He's in control he does never beat himself i mean he's almost the perfect backup point guard and would play day one in the nba um, real, real quickly yeah.
1: on real quickly on butler maybe arguably the best handle in the draft yeah, in, in yeah. terms of these prospects and like do you guys is he the best prospect from baylor in this draft or do you like davion mitchell that much that you have him above jared butler
4: I probably would agree, like. I probably would say Mitchell had like, <laughs> given the selection, maybe in the late lottery, Brian. I might take Butler before him, but I do think Mitchell has a higher ceiling, which which makes the, I think the decision difficult. But it's a really good question. It really is. I mean, I think Butler. Like, I think when we look back on this draft he has a chance to be a top 10 player that comes out of this draft. I, I mean, you know, again, hoping he plays basketball in the NBA with his medicals, but he just knows how to play the game. Coaches are going to love him. He's going to get on the floor immediately. We already know he can shoot it. He can run an offense to Brian's point. He's got one of the best handles uh, despite his limited to average athleticism. The other guy and Brian, yeah, the standard controlled here. Herb Jones. Herb, Jones. Herb Jones, My, I man. just absolutely love this guy. He yeah. you know, six awesome. seven, six eight, plus wingspan. Al- yeah, plus wingspan, ran Alabama's offense for really two seasons, I guess a season and a half, uh when Oates finally kind of trusted him to take on that role. And then defensively, he's he's a fighter. He's He's got a slim frame. He'll have some limitations on that end, to be sure, just like Wagner we were talking about. But Herb Jones is a competitor. He's a fighter. I love his his tenacity and his mentality. Another guy, too, I mean, if if his shot, even like 34 35%, he doesn't need to shoot it at a real high clip. But how good he is in transition, how he can run a half-court offense, how he can see over top of the defense and what he gives you defensively, I would draft him in the first round.
1: Yeah, I would too. He and Shannon are both in the same category of like their three point shot made enough of a jump in terms of volume yeah, yeah. that it it really, they, they, they came online more as like legitimate first round prospects. I love Herb Jones. I think he has a chance to maybe be the best defender for one of the better defenders from this class. He, he's really, really good. And I, I, last guy I'll throw out there. I touched I brought him up. This is really like, I brought him up earlier in this pod and I brought him up either a week or two ago on the podcast as well. But given where Charlotte is picking and given how this guy's stock is starting to really rise and no doubt the measurables he threw out at the combine are going to play a role into that. And because Charlotte is also probably looking to add a center, um, JT Thor out of Auburn is a guy that you're going to hear, like this is not like a sleeper pick by any means. You know what I mean? Like he, JT Thor is going to go in the lottery and or most likely will go in the lottery, and so he's a guy that you're. If you're a Hornets, if you're paying attention to the Hornets, you're going to have to consider. But super duper long, seven three wingspan. Um, he's only six nine without shoes, but he looks t- he looks taller than that. He's super long, but man, a coordinated athlete who can handle has ridiculous shot versatility for a guy his size. You know, can pick and pop, slip in the space, can create, shoot like you know step back fadeaways. Like has just ridiculous creativity as a stretch five or playmaking five that I think is really interesting blocked a lot of shots this year, you know, really like him as I think he seems a little more comfortable as like a pick and pop spacer, but can post, uh, you know, on a roll switch situation has nice touch in the mid post area, just like his, is it a really interesting guy that I think people are paying attention more to now. And he's a guy that's going to certainly be in the conversation for, uh, for, um, you know for the potential Hornets pick uh so yeah another name uh to consider and then um this if we're talking about like deep sleepers like did you guys enjoy watching um you know Bruce Brown play for the Nets this season yeah or or what what Terrence Mann is doing for the uh for the Clippers he was kind of quiet in game one though Man. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard when you're being asked to guard yard, Devin Booker. Booker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a, it's sort of unfair, but uh, Scotty Lewis out of Florida, man. Oh, um, man, I don't know about him. Showed up with a seven-foot wingspan at the Combine today, and uh, which was, I believe, plus eight uh, in terms of wingspan. And uh, is a guy that, you know, we're not sure about the shot, but athletically very, very gifted and is a live body is a clubhouse guy. And just, I don't know. We need to start thinking about if we're thinking of player types, I am interested. I'm not alone in this. I know a lot of other people like in NBA or draft Twitter are sort of like kicking the can on this prospect type, this archetype, but like the non gravity wing, right. That can be a short role playmaker and defender for you, a corner shooter. Um, you know, I don't know if Lewis is like even a guy you draft necessarily, but I just think he's a guy that you have to consider because of his athleticism, because of that wingspan, and because of his ability to like move and, and be an impactful cutter. I think he's a guy you could find that could that could v- be very cheap and could also help help your roster potentially. So just another sort of like deeper name to, to kick the can on there. He, he a lot was, of SEC, a lot yeah. of SEC
2: here. He was so highly touted at a high school, and he never really popped at Florida. And me being a Florida fan, not being – necessarily a fan of scotty lewis that probably should tell you something but you know trey Hmm. man is another guy that kind of has this high variance in terms of whether or not he can go higher yeah i I I really like trey man
1: i really really like trey man
2: uh i think we're going to talk about him more next week on the podcast. we are going to get to him next week so well we first wanted to thank lee for joining us lee before we go i would like for you to plug your podcast uh and then we'll sign off here
3: yeah, man, it's uh, it's always it's always a fun time, and and I I really am grateful anytime y'all bring me on to uh to banter about this stuff. Um, but yeah, follow me on Twitter at which Carolina spelled just like it sounds, and uh, give our podcast a listen. We do a ton of Har- Charlotte Hornets stuff, obviously, and and right now we're just we're pretty much full go all over the NBA draft. So thanks a lot, guys.
2: Well, I'm glad I got three draft heads with me. I feel like I was just the captain steering the boat and letting you guys talk about these guys. But uh, now that there is a specific position, I can kind of focus my efforts on the 11th overall pick now. So I, I keep telling myself this. I got to dive a little bit deeper into these guys. And now that I have an actual spot, I, I can kind of narrow my efforts a little bit. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another Beat. Give us a review and uh, rating on Apple Podcasts. The Buy Me a Coffee site will be linked in the episode notes. For Brian, for Spencer, and for Lee, we will see you guys next time.